third episode of Returning to Base, a MechWarrior Living Legends podcast. We have several guests in attendance today. We've got me, Warlord Kentax, your host. We've got our, so far, eternal guest, Invictus. Yep. Uh, we have two of our map makers, Ancient Demise. Hello. And Ivan. Hi. And to talk about uh, weapons, that's one of our subjects for today, we've got Proxima. Greetings. I guess, you know, you'll probably have some stuff to say about maps, too. Yes, yes, yes. Our first topic of the day is going to be maps. Uh, we have a lot of maps. Like, how many? 80? Or something? Do you count official or um... uh, community, too? Community. Tons of yeah, maps think... and tons of versions. I don't I know the exact number, but or something like that. Yeah. 80 sounds pretty close. So yeah, we have a lot of maps. Uh, and we have two people here today that are responsible for some of them. Um, Ivan, what got you into making maps for MechWarrior Living Legends? Oh, hard question, huh? <laughs> it was so long ago, I don't even remember, actually. So, um, I remember just downloading the SDK, uh, because I wanted to try this stuff out, and um, eventually I experimented with various ideas and uh, released a few of them, and it became a habit. <laughs> and uh, and the mod moved to Crisis Wars, you know, it made it possible to download maps automatically, so it was much easier to distribute the maps what you created, so it kind of became a hobby. And Ancient Demise, how did you get into making maps? Well, I had made a couple maps for a few other games just for myself, and then always toyed around with it, so as soon as I got into the game and was finally looking for something else to do besides just play, that's how I started. Uh, my first map was only successful for me and that I learned a lot, but it wasn't very good. So I kept building off of it from there. What was your next map after that? Uh, it was slightly better. Um, three versions of it. Um, it was, what was it? Um, I believe it was called Mine, Monument, Monument Valley and Nocturnal Valley. It was three maps based off of uh, Monument Valley in, I believe that's Arizona or, or um, Utah area in the U.S. Yeah, we've actually played a number of Chaos March matches on uh on that map or on those maps so ivan do you recall what your first map was yeah it was well it was sa back then tsa was called sa and it was sa forsaken later it became tsa forsaken and uh, later it uh, evolved into tc forsaken which we have in the game as, a, as an official map right now so it's kind of a king of the hill style with one capture point but this it was the first like many many years ago so for people who want to get into map making what would you recommend oh, well, a lot of patience <laughs> <I would say. laughs> yeah because the editor is not it's old first of all right now um, it's not easy to find uh, documentations for it most of the you know, forums and stuff like that are already are hyped, basically, so you need to do a 
quite of a digging to get the information you want if you encounter some issues. There are still a few tutorials on the on YouTube, for example, still, um, but those are old as well. So, I believe one of the tutorials that I learned off of is stickied in the map folder on this Discord. Um, so there's still some good ones out there, and I would definitely recommend starting there. Uh, and don't expect your first map to be very successful, but it's definitely, absolutely an accomplishment for you. Try try everything that the tutorial su- suggests, and then try and try some more than that, uh, because those skills will come back later. So yeah, exactly. I, I noticed that on, on Discord and the wiki page, um, there are quite a lot of useful information already collected, so... Uh, Whoever wants to try it uh, should read it through and uh, well, give it a give it a try. I should specify that those tutorials are not for Living Legends; they're just for Crisis, um, which is fine. Um, basics stay the same, except you're just not doing as much uh, infantry type fighting. Uh, make a make a map for vehicles. So one of the things that occurred to me is that map making is fundamentally different from a lot of the other. Uh, development that goes on for the mod because it can be done completely removed from the development team. Yeah, it's interesting because, like you said, it can be done separately, but it also embodies a lot of the aspects that we work on as part of the development team. You can make your own particles, textures, um, map assets. If you need help uh, importing anything, you just ask. Um, But it's bringing everything together. Wait, so you can actually build your own custom-made map items for that map. Yes. Um, I did not know that. There's a couple maps that have custom ones, a couple maps that have... um, I'm sure they downloaded somewhere. I'm just not sure where they got them. Um, My last update for Zodermere um, was testing a couple of buildings that I had modeled and textured myself um, that I just included in the map folder and put it out for a download. Yeah, Proxima, the, uh, uh, one of the maps, I think New Roland, has a lot of custom items. And so that's why I believe the download size is somewhere around 500 megabytes. Yeah, the same is true for Urban Jungle, which is one of the most popular community maps, I would say. And it also contains um, like, a lot of custom you know, buildings. Uh, uploaded into the map folder and this is why it's so big to download and takes so long to load it actually. One of the things that I'd hoped that we would eventually get would be um, a bunch of uh, like a repository of map objects so that we could actually cut down on the, the size of some of the maps. There's a lot of buildings that are in Urban Jungle, Seaport, or, or New Roland that those buildings could just be in the Living Legends files themselves. And that way, we wouldn't have to download them for each map. And each map could include all of them. Of course, that that's only for future maps, really, not for old ones. Not unless they got updated. Yeah, for, uh, for Seaport, it's actually already in place, because uh, Seaport uses the same building like the ones on PC Harvest. And uh, since Harvest is not an official map, it, we have the necessary uh, files for those buildings in the in the Living Legends, uh, you know, folder structure. So I think anyone can use those from now on. Cool. 
Um, so when you go to make a map, and either of you can answer this one, when you go to make a map, where do you start with some sort of gameplay concept or a terrain concept or what? Uh, either one. Um, I like to I like to look all over on Google Earth and try and find a terrain that I can either adapt or create something similar to get inspiration from. Um, I'll also create maps based on a concept. Uh, Harvest was based off of large obstacles that for the hedgerows that were blocking most mechs and most assets, except mechs can jump over them, um, kind of as a force multiplier uh, for those assets. Several of my maps are like this. Zotomir uses the building, so again, jumping is really important for um, mobility. And then there's other maps where I just like a large piece of terrain, and I think I can play with it, and I load it in. Yeah, for me, it's like seeing a cool concept image somewhere, which, you know, starts to fire up my creativity, or <laughs> something similar, and uh, I just basically build the map around it. And of course, I usually have some concepts, because without it, it doesn't really work, but... Anyway, that's the that's usually the starting point. I have to ask, when without um, you know, I know personal life tends to get in the way of you creating maps. If you were to be able to be able to devote a good portion of your time, how long would it take you to make a really good map? Depends on the type. If it's urban, it's going to take longer because of all, all the details than a another desert map. Yeah. Because that map much easier to do. Like. All right, let's let's say for example you're building a, a a map that's like a forest. How long do you think that would take? Oh, I don't know, really hard to answer because it depends on a lot of things. I I think on map side, you know, are the trees. So what do we expect from the con concept? Are the trees supposed to be destructible or not? Because if they do, it requires much more time to you know, distribute them on the map. Uh, depends on it if, uh, if it's TC or TSA. Usually into TC you have to put more thought because uh, you need to think about the base layout, routes, etc. So uh, you can easily spend a good 40 hours on a map, I would say, if you want to really do it seriously. Yeah, if you, if you get the layout right the first time, and that doesn't happen for us often, we have to go back and rework something. Um, it can go pretty quickly. And if you, if you have a layout that you're adapting, if you're importing a height map or doing something else and it turns out really well, you can get it done pretty quickly uh, if there's not a lot of custom uh, solids or textures or any other so jumbling of buildings involved. So if if everything runs smoothly, everything is done roughly within the you know done right the first time, less than a week. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how how quickly you work too, and if you're really familiar with everything. Uh, Duff was able to crank out maps that were played pretty well for only eight hours of work. So. Yeah, indeed. I never managed to do it. For me, it takes several days, at least a week, to to um, do a significant update even uh, for a map and creating a new map it usually takes more weeks I really miss stuff yeah yeah, too. yeah oh gosh so he had like what 
TSA Rivers and uh, Carbon too. Slurm, Slurm, yeah. Kandahar, um, Ice Arena, King of the Hill, Acid King of the Hill, like it was called, uh, Broke Bear. It's all the ones I can think of. Uh, I know he worked on Golden Golden Rocks too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't uh, Vitos help him with that? Yeah. I don't know yes. if it was a collaboration or if one helped the other. All right. Uh, so when you're trying to build a map that's fun to be played, I know um, Ancient of Eyes, you already brought up the idea of putting those hedgerows in to block mechs without jump jets from traversing certain areas. When you're building a map, what sort of other considerations do you make for corralling players or moving them around the way you want them to be moved around? You can't really make them go places. You, you can influence that, but they're going to head right towards the enemy and they're going to try and fight them in a straight line. So you have to put capture points scattered throughout the map strategically to influence players to want to go somewhere. They're not going to see this cool, super cool little cove you made um, and put all this work into if there's no reason for them to go there to fight. Um, so assume a player is going to go in a straight line and then you can kind of build terrain around that assumption and influence them of, okay, if I'm going to go from point A to point B, am I going to take this route or this other route? And where, who am I going to see from this place? Is it up high? Is it in a lot of cover? Do I want to take a lot of cover and hide? Um, and who am I going to be sh- able to shoot from this um, vantage point? I think um, a really good example of a map where it's really important to follow the map designer's cues um, is Ilium Range. It it ended up being, I think, a really bad pub game map, but it ended up being really fun in organized play. Yeah, actually, it was mine. Uh, I think it's one of the worst map I ever read. <laughs> But I created it, uh, basically, and the idea was, I think, at the time to really uh, limit uh, the, you know, visibility on that map, so players are forced into a really close combat, because at the time we didn't have TC mode, only TSA, and that was the only way to, you know, make players move out uh, from the base, basically, and counter the always long-range alarm fighting somehow. And I remember that I was putting these beacons on the map to follow, and these were leading to the center places of that map. But obviously, it never got so popular. <laughs> we had a really epic battle on uh, Ilium Range back in the old Planetary League, um, back when Mouse was still in SJ. And uh, SJ brought like a bunch of black lanterns and some shadow cats and uh, an opponent and some other things. We were camping up at the top. Uh, it was me and I don't know if Invictus was participating in that particular battle, but it was pretty hilarious because uh, we had, I think, four or five um, Osiruses, all with media. The, the, it was the quad medium pulse laser Osiris, back when they still had one. <laughs> it was perfect, because Ilium range is so cold. And they, they ran up the, the ramp, and <laughs> we just killed them with Osiris. 
Yeah, I think it can be okay in, in organized games, but definitely not for pubs. No wonder it's not played anywhere. <laughs> I think it's yeah. So when you build like a a post to be captured, a base, what do you usually consider? Like uh, you know, mech bays or walls or turrets. Uh, I usually just look. Uh, are we talking about this still? Terran control mode. Um. Yeah. Terrain control. Okay. Because um, then I usually just consider the if it's a capturable base, then I check the you know distances um, between the bases and the possible approach to routes. I agree basically with what the ancient says. So you cannot really um, force players to go this way, that way, you and therefore I do not really like to channel them and um, I do not really like choke points on my map. I, maps I prefer to um, leave them open so the players can choose whatever, whatever route they want basically. But usually the things I first check is, is um, the distances that how far I die from each other so it should not become unbalanced, you know, for, for one team or the other. And then, depending on what kind of base are we talking about, like if it's a factory or repair bay or just a simple important point, then it can be, you know, more defendable with, with more walls or a little bit more open. It, it depends on the team of the map, I would say. So is um, that basically the same for you, Ancient? Yeah, pretty much. You have to consider what type of base is it going to be. Is it going to be somewhere where mechs are spawning and uh, people are running into mech base to kill everything? Or is it kind of off to the side? Um, and maybe you, or maybe shouldn't you put a mech bay there at all? Um, maybe it's just repair base. Uh, add some variety. You can't have four mech bays everywhere. What makes you decide to um, limit? the tonnage of things produced at a certain base. Oh, yeah. We had a lot of problems earlier or in previous patches with this. Uh, because if a base is not really placed on the correct you know, location of the map, then it can happen that and let's say it's a factory and it can build a salt max and it's very close to the uh, main base of the other team so it can happen if um, these bases are captured early then it will become just a, a TSA game mode when everybody from one team is spawning at the front you know factory and the other team is basically dying at, the, at their main base gates I remember so, building the power glove Fafnir on Thunder Rift and just driving yeah. out killing two or three mechs, walking back, reloading, and doing it again. Yeah, so it's it's fun for like five minutes, but after that, uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, getting pretty boring, and to have uh, this, you know, repeating in every match, it's, it's uh, not really helping. So I think in, in these cases, we have to tone down the, the factory and make it build like lighter, lighter assets, so... Uh, at least the bigger uh, bigger units from the main base can can counter this this uh, forward base capture a bit. Yeah, um, you don't want to um, 
you, you want the base to be able to be captured. You don't want it to be a complete stronghold that one team gets, and it's whoever gets their first wins. Uh, for the same reason, you don't want tons of turrets either, because those things are very deadly. Yeah, I find it so frustrating when I go up to like the north base on um, marshes, on TC marshes, and I get shot up by the lasers a little bit on my way in, and then somebody builds a mech, and then they walk out, and they blow me up. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to have some turrets there, I think, for minimum defense, but not more than two. Usually I, I put just one or two medium laser uh, turrets on, on, on the bases. Especially when put, they have a perfect aim. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's very annoying to to uh, fight against the my team because it's not fun, you know. They like they have like good aiming, so uh, it's annoying, I think. So I I try to keep the number of the turret slow. Same thing with uh, AA turrets. You don't want to go overboard because then no one will ever be able to fly. Um, you yeah. want to kind of limit their view and only use them to defend really places that you want to gently discourage aerospace from flying. Yeah, I made this mistake myself and I created Flagaton, uh, this very hot red map, probably you played on it already. And um, in the first few versions it had two, like this big anti-air turrets in the center, so basically it was a no-fly zone. <laughs> uh, I went a little overboard with that, so... Yeah, I've done I, that too. I removed them. I like Flegaton. Yeah, I still, I still do like it. I think it's okay. It's a bit too hot, but anyway, it's fun for from time to time. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could swear I had another question, but I can't remember what it was. Um. Oh, I guess like you know, playing maps. Hey, Proxima, when you're playing a map, what sort of features do you watch out for and stay away from? Depends on the map, first and foremost. Say, for example, uh, we'll use Urban Jungle. Uh, urban Jungle, typically, it's almost always close range unless you're feeling like you want to walk out on the left side of the map, which is basically ocean. Uh, and no bases. And no bases. Usually, I avoid straightaways because if you're wandering around by yourself back capping, you want to avoid straightaways because people can just look down that way and shoot you or spot you if you're trying to run around trying to be sneaky. Um, the other thing I try to avoid is, say for example we're on good map. Harvest. Elevation is key to what, to what you're doing because usually if you have the high ground you can look down do basically everything below and if you can avoid low ground that's great but if there's a lot of cover then that's a moot point that you can basically move around unhindered uh, most of the time without being shot or spotted. Like in the river? Like in the river. Be, be, a, be a shark in the river. And that's some of the other things, too. Well, people don't like fighting in water. Like, Alte is a good example. Alte, um, people like to stay out of the water and on the beach, trying to cap the northwest corner. I believe it's D3, D4. And never try to go out into the water. Like going out into the water, mainly because it it is basically, as I said, be a shark in the water. Um, I'll probably buy some 
sort of very high heat, high DPS asset and go sit out there in the water and start sniping people. Yeah, it's a good tactic. I did the same in the other day, the Puma Beta with three ER large clan lasers. It was very efficient uh, fighting from underwater and that And actually now the cooling rate is harmonized, so it's not uh, crazy high anymore, <laughs> like it was before. So it's well, you could you could fire indefinitely and never overheat. Yeah, basically. Yeah, in the previous versions of the map, it was a little bit too much, and uh, I, I toned it down. So one thing with uh, Altai I know is that if I spawn at the north side, this one strategy I try doesn't really work. But if I spawn on the south side, I can climb up the um, the side of the island in the middle. And I can, as long as I have uh, even standard jump jets, improved jump jets, that even better. But with standard jump jets, I can get up to the top and even up onto the VTOL pad. And as long as my team controls the VTOL pad, I can uh, redo my, or I can uh, load up my ammo. So, for example, I'll take the ER ATM, I'll take the ER ATM Cougar, and I will uh, rain down those <laughs> those little ER ATMs on them. And then just keep reloading and reloading and reloading. I never noticed this. Uh, actually, well, now I never you saw know. that anyone is doing that. <laughs> yeah, probably I won't make an adjustment <laughs> to that here based on, on you know on this only. <laughs> I think. Yeah, so now really we can change a... that, right? <laughs> it's not really a practical strategy because it's really hard to get up there. It takes a couple minutes and. Uh, and then once you get up there, there's no repairs for the cougar. And so if anybody hits you, well, good luck. And if somebody captures the base away from you, well, you're going to run out of, run out of ammo. The only downside is that the north base doesn't have the ability because they have to go around to the south side to climb up on it. And then they have to expose their back to their enemies. Yeah, the, so the thing is that... No map can be, I think, perfectly balanced, so you, you will always find uh, uh, such stuff, so you can exploit some, you know, uh, terrain formations, uh, some locations, etc., because we have usually, yeah, like we are working on a 8 by 8 kilometer terrain, and usually the playable area is like uh, 4 or 5, uh, square kilometer or something like that so it's hard to you know make it the whole thing perfectly balanced so you will always find such such places but I, I think it's okay as long as it's not uh, you know breaking the, the flow of the game one thing I came up against when uh, with map design uh, is I like to back cap and I like to fly airplanes and I like to I also like to go places that people don't want me to go. And when there's map boundaries... If you boundaries, say flying to back cap, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to respond. Uh, I, I don't normally fly <laughs> to go back cap. Occasionally. Occasionally, but not normally. Uh, and I've noticed that on some maps, just trying to function and even just fly around and hit my enemy causes a uh the, you know the warning you're out of bounds sign to pop up on my screen and hopefully we're going to get that changed at some point so that the that 
thing won't block your reticle. It's, it's terrible. It, that Whenever that sign comes up and I can't aim anymore, <laughs> I can't see yeah. what's my reticle. Uh, but so you're flying so, too high, or are they custom maps where they restrict the flight ceiling? Uh, well, uh, not always custom maps. So sometimes even official maps. For example, um, TC Mirage, I think, used to have a more restrictive boundary than it does now. Uh, but I would be trying to attack, I think it's the Fox 7 base, but I can't remember. Um, I would be trying to attack it with an aircraft, and in order to properly orbit the post, instead of just going up and down and up and down ballooning, balloon style, just flying around doing strafing runs, sends me out of bounds, because the out of bounds are so close to that that post. I think they got moved in the, one of the last couple patches. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember uh, like um, receiving comments about this, uh, and I think I extended the um, forbidden area. I mean, uh, moved them further away. Yeah. And I probably I also increased the kill timer. I'm not sure. It it was done a while ago, so it yeah. it should be more more you know playable right now. Yeah, I like it uh, much better now than uh, where it was. The uh, however. I appreciate there being like the un the the areas you're not supposed to go being sort of darked out on the mini map, but at the same time, part of me just wishes that wasn't actually out of bounds, whether it's for mechs or planes or whatever, because I've never really liked the whole out of bounds timer. It's something you something I wanted to talk about with out of bounds. Um, yes, it's. Sometimes you wish you could say, oh, what's over there? And I wish I could go uh, these these couple of last kilometers to the edge of the map, but the it's not really up to the map designer to decide where to draw the line. Right. Um, if you use the whole space, you're, you will literally fall off the earth. Um, it's tough to build a background that you can actually walk on to. Um, and at the same time, it's something you have to really keep in mind when you're building your maps is to... If you're going to take up all the space, consider going uh, twice as big. Uh, making a much If you're going to do an 8-kilometer map, make it a 16, and just use the background to add the depth and immersion to your map. Um, and understand that you're probably... No one's going to see it, but it really adds that effect um, that I, makes me really enjoy maps. Have you played um, TC Military Base? Or TSA Military Base? I do not think I have. There is a city way off in the distance, and oh, yeah. if you if you leave the normal playable area and go over there, you'll find that the buildings are actually le- uh, shorter than your mech. <laughs> it's all a perspective thing. <laughs> yeah, it's decoration. Yeah, so... it probably should have been out of bounds. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny walking along these short little buildings (laughs) this raises a question though when you're adding stuff i assume you also have to take in consideration people's frame rates and performance of course that's the the first thing more stuff you add the more physically demanding it is on the processor and it's not a lot of people all then yeah sorry there are people who do not have like Good, amazing computers, or like actual up-to-date computers within the last two to three years, 
that have the ability to process some of these maps. So the question, I guess, at this point would be, how do you know too much is too much, and how do you know enough is enough? So there's a couple of things we look at um, in, there's a, in the display info, the number of tries displayed, and I generally try and keep that 3 million or underneath. Um, 5 million is doable, but it's pushing it. And the DP, uh, the value next to that, I'm not sure what's, well, you just don't want it too high. I'm looking at 5,000 at one of my maps right now, and it's, it's not bad with the frame rate. Um, your frame rate's really just going to be relative to you, and those other two values are going to be helpful to try and figure out how it's going to perform for other people. And then you go to each of the display um, config specs and try and make the map look, well, it's not going to look the same, but close enough. Fair yeah, point. exactly. So what was this this measuring tool? What was it called again? So when you open up the editor... Um, R underscore display info is enabled, and you can see your position, orientation, the tries, the DP, the FPS, and the current memory used. Um, and that's really going to help you see if there's a performance spike somewhere. Um, and then yeah, you if you have mountains, you can put occluders and other things to block the terrain so everything behind it is not drawn. Uh, I'm thinking that maybe after the... Uh after I've done the editing for all this, I will include um, a little bit of code that people can include in their um, action maps so they can actually get that uh, R underscore info. It's default enabled when you load up the editor. No, no, no. I mean for uh, just when they're playing in regular Micro Living Legends, oh, okay. not doing the editing. Because I know that whenever I found an issue on a map and I wanted to report it, I would always get something back saying well yeah. sorry i don't actually know where that is on the map you have be to be helpful. more specific can you do our underscore info and go to that place in the map and tell me or send me a screenshot yeah because if someone says c6 i have no idea which way is north on the map in the editor right yeah i keep asking this uh, he was uh, displaying for <laughs> uh, get a screenshot like that and you will see exactly the try number, the DP, uh, location, coordinates, etc. So it's very useful. I can't remember what DP stands for. Sorry, guys. Drawing point, I would say. I'm not ah, sure. Okay. And I don't remember what the good number is either. I think it's around like 3,000. I, I, oh, I remember something. Uh, I was reading something on the uh, crisis forums that the good performing map should like should have like uh, 3 million tries and uh, 3,000 DP uh, okay. number, and that's a good rule of thumb, but we usually exceed these, as, as Ancient mentioned, because, well, we have just too much stuff sometimes, but uh, we try yeah. to keep it low. Um, Invictus, can we include a screenshot of um, Palisades? Sure. Palisades? What's going on with Palisades? Some nice stuff. Are you messing up my least favorite map? <laughs> um, we're making a TC version. What? That should be entertaining. So I'll drop a um, I'll drop a link to you, Kentax. Cool. So what's going on with um, what's all going on with Palisades? So remember how it's always unbalanced in TSA, and one side gets on top of the. 
uh, cliff wall and shoots down on everything else. Yeah. Well, we decided, um, well, I decided to rebuild it. Um, it's a new map, um, but with the textures and direction that Palisades had started. Yeah, I recognize the toll booth thing. Yes, so I, I took a lot of the um, pre-built bases and stuff and, and put them throughout the map and kept the theme kind of the same, though it uh, looks a little different there. I do have a really important question about this. So when my friend takes his atlas through there, is it going to cost him more than taking a raven over the bridge? As in getting stuck or getting shot? Paying the toll. <laughs> well, the toll, toll is in lead, so how much you can take. <laughs> and um, and is there an estimate on how many bases there will be? Yes, Cause... there will be seven bases. This is a much larger version of Palisades, and it's um, almost symmetrical. Excellent. Um, that said, it shouldn't feel like it's too big because um, the routes from base to base are pretty straightforward and not too far apart. Um, you should be able to backhap pretty easily, and there should be a lot of action in the front um, by the border. And have you done anything to like make sure it doesn't turn into another Ivory Towers? Yeah, it's it's a bit more open in areas. Uh, and can you elaborate on what else you mean? No, oh, that's pretty much what I meant. Is that because, like, uh, you know, Ivory Towers has lots of open areas, but they're all in parts of the map that nobody goes. So, are yeah, you going to be yeah. going through there's, the open there's areas? There's a lot more open areas, but there's also a lot of cover. You can see there. There's uh, rock pillars and formations scattered throughout, um, keeping in line with the mesas and palisades. So are you just making this on the side, or is it going to be one of the official maps? It will be an official map. Excellent. And are you, uh, you collaborating with anyone on it? or We we have some finishing touches to put in on it. Um, sure, Ivan will be involved there, too. I, my time's kind of limited right now. Yeah, I can. I'll just let me know. So far, only ancient bird on that. Cool. I and... didn't want to. Um, I got a good portion of the way done before we decided if it was going to work or not. It was like, uh, you know, I think we kind of uh, assigned the work because I was doing some um, bug fixes for ex existing maps and... Uh, yes, very important. ...doing the new map. So it worked out, even if it was not completely intentional, but <laughs> worked out at the end. And so, uh, Ivan, what are you working on right now, if, if anything? Or are you just taking it easy? Resting on your laurels? Uh, no, I actually, um, I think we are updating like, I don't know, six, eight maps in this, in this coming patch, if I can say. And I think the most, one of the most important is the final fix for this disconnection bug on PC Oasis. Yes, so we found can... some long archived um, information uh, on crisis, the crisis forums on how to fix that. Yeah, it was, it was found by Ancient and it was a great help. So based on that, I, I made a fix and it should work for everybody now. Nobody should be disconnected anymore. 
I think I've only um, played Oasis for probably a total of 15 minutes. <laughs> it's a very nice map. It's not that I crashed out, it's just that I joined in late, and then I haven't seen the map up since then. <laughs> yeah, because uh, because of this map, or, or sorry, because of this bug, uh, it was not, for a while it was not on the servers. I think they started to use, the server admins uh, started to use it now, but after the new patch, uh, everyone can use it freely, and nobody will have issues with it finally. And also... Regarding other updates, I, I think the biggest ones are the update for uh, Frostbite, Enceladus, and uh, TC marshes. I'm really TC. looking forward to those updates too. Oh, Enceladus, oh, oh yeah. yeah basically, I, I moved the bases closer a bit, so. Nice. Um, hopefully, it will be uh, not a walking simulation anymore, but real action, we will see. When you get a full server, Enceladus is wonderful, but anything short of a full server, and it's uh, it's a pain. Yeah, so so we try to improve that, and the same treatment uh, received by TC Frostbite and TC Marshes as well. I moved the base, bases closer a bit there on, on some locations. Not all of the bases, but some of them are closer to the center area, so hopefully they will work better, we will see. Oh, right. I were on that, um, Ivan, that center dropship, the crashed one, um, that can desync and start flipping around. And then Columbus. What? Yes, um, I bumped it with a Hephaestus once and it started eating me. <laughs> I, I never see it, he did, never saw this problem on Ankylados. Are you sure it wasn't the legs? No, it was the whole thing. It just Jeez. started, it basically started turning. You know, like the some bases do. Yeah. yeah, but actually I don't know what's the root cause of that, so yeah, I have I'm no not idea. sure. That's a brush, I have no idea why. It somehow has some sort of physics. It seems to be only items that could be factories in some previous life. And mm. that's the only thing I've ever seen move like that. But it, it did do that a couple times. I'm, I haven't really put the effort in to try and reproduce it. I know if you throw a grenade on a lot of things, it'll do it. But all I did was bump it, and it just started flipping. Wow. Well, it almost makes the area uncapable. Because <laughs> it starts just pushing you. Well, I can check what's, what's in that object, but basically it's just, it's just a brush. Uh, if I remember right, so it should not have any problems really, but I will check. I have no better idea <laughs> what can cause this. I hope that's not more a widespread problem if that's a brush in doing that. Hopefully not. Maybe it's some leftover object somewhere in there, I don't know. Or I will just convert it to brush, whatever it was. I'm not sure yet. But yeah, so these are things I was working on. Also some smaller stuff, but uh, not so big. Um, and I was starting to think about new maps, um, but it's very early, so... I think that's all we really need to talk about with maps. Uh, you two are welcome to stick around uh, for the rest of the um, recording, because uh, we'll be talking about weapons, and, I mean, you two play the game sometimes, right? So. Yeah, sure. 
work on his Lego stuff. <laughs> yeah, feel free to chime in uh, with anything that uh, you think might be relevant. So I'd like to give a thanks to all our guests and a shout-out to Timothy Seals and Shivoxi for providing our intro and outro music, respectively. This has been Returning to Base, a MechWarrior Living Legends podcast. Well, the podcast is running a little bit long, so I'm going to go over to Duelist now and get an update on Chaos March. Uh, we'll talk about weapons after that and upload that on a separate podcast. Hi, Kentex. Hello, Duelist. Yeah, what's been going on with uh, Chaos March and other competitive play for Living Legends? Kintax, we'll start by looking at the star map. Over the past two weeks, we've played turn 46 and 47 of the event, and as a general summary, it seems that the, it's been concentrated on the Blakest forces, who are the strongest faction left in the game, trying to retake planets that have been taken from them in their backyard. So looking here at the star map, it looks like that started out with Capellan Commonality attacking planet Tigris a factory world, and that was one of the worlds that they had uh, tried to get in the background. They failed in that attack in five maps. That was a really tough battle, but it came down to Castle Hill and just better maneuvering. The, uh, the Blagas team was able to get in and get under the minimum range of the long-range attack of the Capellans. That set us up for planet Algot, first attempt, and Takanov actually won the first two matches handedly, but the Scythe forces were able to... Not the Scythe forces. Yeah, Scythe forces were able to come back on Cobra, Jungle, and Plains, and they were able to defend that planet. At that point, it led us into uh, Scythe attacking, and they ended up... played that one today, and they ended up getting turned back on their attack on planet Memka, and that stalled their advance from being able to counter the Blakus on the second, uh, part, a second area of attack on the map. Right now, the Blakus can only be attacked by one area, uh, and that failed. And then the Capellans went after uh, uh, an attack on... No, the Blakus attacked planet Rukba, the final planet preventing them from recapturing all of their losses early in the year. Uh, they This one went back and forth. Altay, the Capellans had... Uh, well, you remember that one, Kentax. That was the Thumper, and uh, it was uh, challenging uh, for you guys uh, to use the Thumper on that one, and uh, chased us all over the map on that one, but uh, the, the Blakus were able to hang on there. Uh, then we went to Plains, which was a really weird map. This was probably the most important campaign that we've had uh, in the past two weeks, and in an, it just went back and forth. Uh, Plains uh, was a was a vi uh, was a victory for Capellans, and then we went to Overlord Knight, and that was the Argus Rush thing, and and that was a win for Blakist. Uh, Frost, a really interesting strategy. I played on Capellans on that one. Invictus used an arrow for Mad Cat on a hill to, to distract the enemy and if the enemy came in and rushed and then we we counter rushed them from uh from an attack point and, and capellans won that then we went to enceladus <laughs> the craziest map that we've played in the past two weeks was enceladus uh kentex and it was draw 
because one team brought a long time and it became a chase after a while because the VTOL got got knocked out of the game, was allowed to respawn due to a, due to a bug, then it got shot down again, and and the Capellan uh Capellan team had to chase us all over all over that map and it ended up being a tie, which is rare, so we had to play a map six and we played uh, TC Wildlands yesterday and that was an even crazier map in regards that the two teams battled each other in a battle royale close close against each other and then Invictus was left in a plane and Silvercraft had to go run away with a short range Osiris and uh down five five to two assets they almost pulled the victory uh but um Invictus overheated his his plane and then and then Silver just didn't have the firepower so long hard fought battle but uh that was uh, planet Rukba um and now the Blakus have all of their planets left from the Capellans and are uh, able to attack the middle of the map now. And then uh, Kintax today, just today we played uh, Takonov Task Force was the latest battle and they captured their first planet in months. Uh, so now they wow. have, a, yeah, uh, they have a factory world. So they're able to buy mechs in the past couple of turns. Uh, Takonov has ha- barely been able to buy four or five mechs, despite the fact they've been losing 30, 40 assets uh, and uh, in their attack fleets, only 300 assets big. So that that's pretty big for Takonov. But uh, the um, but uh, Scythe lost another planet. They're down to 14 from their high of 22. And uh, Capellans have lost most of their gains uh, on the far side of the map. So it'll be it's it's going to be shifting a lot to see what happens with Blakus and how the other teams counter. Hmm. That's that, that's it with chaos uh, today. We also played a bunch of other maps with the Scythe campaign, but we're not sure what happened with that. And then I can plug a few other events, Kentax, if that's all right. Sure thing. Um, uh, by the time this goes live, uh, pro- it'll probably be appropriate for me to say that. Uh, we're going to try something called Olympics Week, the Winter Olympics happening. I am going to attempt from the 18th of February through the 25th of February to do one event each day, leading into our uh, Solaris Tournament Championship weekend, in which we're going to have a specialist night on the 23rd, uh, the Friday, where we're going to have an aerospace tournament, a mini aerospace tournament. We're going to have a mini... Uh, Artillery tournament and a battle armor championship. That'll lead into the weekend where we'll uh, play uh, early in the day. We'll play Solaris Arena tournament like we did earlier in the month. Just show up. You don't even need voice comms. And then that'll lead into like the championship round for Snow Gibbon is going to be play, uh, hosting a last man standing tournament to end the night there. And then we'll have a big finale to the Olympics week and to the Solaris championship on the 25th. But uh, uh, so that that'll be fun. But Chaos March will be played every 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 weekend, um, every day the, uh, this uh, weekend through the end of the month. And then Entex, uh, I have I don't know if you've heard the rumors, but apparently there's something big coming in in March or April with the event. Uh, what is it? Well, uh, apparently the current star map, if the Blakus are able to go through and either wipe out Takonov or or we can siphon enough, and then it turns into basically Capellans and Blakist. We might wrap this up the current uh, season, and if we do, uh, we've got something in the works for planning. So at some point, uh, keep an eye out for some sort of uh, possible big big finale event, and uh, 
discourse.mekmaster.com for discussions because we're going to start talking about some major changes to the event. But thank you for your uh, time, Kentax. This podcast has been an outstanding uh, thing for the community uh, at large, and I uh, wish you the best of luck continuing with it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Duelist. Okay, so I would like to thank Duelist for that update. I'd like to thank Ancient Demise for talking to us about maps. I'd also like to thank Ivan for the same. Uh, and I would like to thank Invictus for showing up and uh, helping us talk about this. And Proxima for, well, he was going to talk about weapons, but I guess we'll have to hear about that next time. I'd also like to thank Shivaxi for providing the ending theme and Timothy Seals for providing our brand new opening theme. So this has been Returning to Base. Hope you'll listen in next time.